This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You're listening to the MomWell Podcast. Today, I am excited to welcome clinical psychologist Dr. Lauren Cook to the show. Now, many of you have been reaching out to me on Instagram, in DMs, and in comments about what an anxiety-provoking time it is to be a mother. We're constantly being faced with an endless stream of negative news, seeing all types of climate events happen, are seeing many shifts in interest rates and inflation increasing, lots of financial stressors and questions floating around about a recession. And many of you have reached out asking how to manage our anxiety while parenting during this time, how to feel hopeful and optimistic for the world that our children are going to inherit when it feels like it's a dumpster fire right now. I've asked Dr. Lauren to come on and join us to discuss these topics. She's the author of a new book called Generation Anxiety, where she addresses that anxiety is the most common mental health concern that we are experiencing as millennials and Gen Z, that the rates of anxiety are higher than ever, and that the symptoms are also more severe. She shares statistics that 75% of young adults say they feel unsafe every day. So I've asked her to join us to talk about why is anxiety on the rise and how does this increased anxiety impact the way that we live and interact with things in our life? How can we go through mothering and go through life feeling safe and secure and empowered even though there are these things going on around us? And what are some practical ways that we can start challenging and managing this anxiety today? Dr. Lauren helps to answer some of these questions and helps to put our mind at ease in a time that feels so stressful and anxiety-provoking. But just before we jump into my conversation with Dr. Lauren, let's hear our iTunes review of the week. This review comes from Hannah Ovulates, and it's entitled, Mama or Not, Erica Offers Incredible Mental Support. Since starting my talk therapy journey a month ago, Erica's interviews and notes have accompanied this beautiful journey to self-healing. I am a mama of two and recovering perfectionist. This podcast reaffirms all the self-compassion I am working on in therapy. Her interviews are all on point with her mission to equip mamas with the skills they need to succeed in self-awareness and mental and emotional healing. I didn't realize how lost I was in a sea of overwhelm and control until this journey brought me here. Erica has a soothing, non-dramatic way of representing her field of maternal mental health. Thank you. Hannah, thank you so much for taking the time to leave this review. I am so honored that I get to walk alongside you and support you on this journey. I truly love hearing all of your stories and what resonates most with you, whether it's a specific topic or interview. So I'd love it if you head to iTunes, leave a review and share your story, share what has impacted you the most. Now let's hear my conversation with clinical psychologist and author of Generation Anxiety, Dr. Lauren. Up to 20% of new moms experience postpartum depression or anxiety. Weepiness, irritability, sadness, or constant worry. These things can make it hard to take care of yourself and your baby. Too often, we think that we just have to deal with it or that it will go away on its own. And sometimes we're so busy and overwhelmed that the idea of going to see a therapist is even more stressful. At MomWell, we know that maternal mental health care matters. And we also know that moms are struggling to find quality, judgment-free providers. 
In fact, one in five women feel that they've been dismissed or ignored by a healthcare provider. It's time to change the way moms are treated. Our qualified maternal mental health specialists are here to support moms across Canada and the United States. You can access private virtual therapy sessions with experienced mental health care providers from anywhere with internet access. With just a few clicks, you can find a mom therapist in your area and book a free 15-minute consultation to get started. Postpartum life can be hard, but mental health care doesn't have to be difficult to access. Find out if we serve your area and book a free 15-minute virtual consultation at momwell.com booking. That's momwell.com booking. Welcome to the MomWell podcast, where we're committed to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host, registered psychotherapist and founder of MomWell, Erica Jossa. At MomWell, we know that motherhood is hard, but care shouldn't be. We're committed to providing you with knowledge, tools, and support to navigate the challenges of motherhood. Our mission is to put moms back on the priority list and empower them to create a mental wellness toolbox free from judgment, fear, and shame. On the show, we'll be discussing topics such as postpartum depression, identity loss, the mental load of motherhood, and more. We'll be joined by experts, moms, and professionals who can offer advice, practical tips, relatable stories, and honest conversations. Here at MomWall, we believe that when a mom is well, a baby is well. So join us as we discuss the topics that matter to you with experts who get it. Together, we can redefine motherhood and change the way moms are treated. Dr. Lauren, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. You're press touring for your new book. You're in the throes of postpartum, and yet you're here with us today. I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Oh, Erica, good to be with you. I keep saying like 2023, I had twins this year, like human baby and book baby. So they both came this year for me and that's all good. And overlapping right at the same time, of course, just, you know, (laughs) all at once. (laughs) It works out that way. Yep, totally. I am so curious how your book came about. Like I have so many questions, like, because we had a whole what is it called? Like a whole Congress meeting or something about the existence of aliens this week. There's so many things that have happened in our generation that make us anxious. Mm -hmm. So I can't wait to dive into those pieces. But I'm so curious how your book Generation Anxiety came about for you. Well, anxiety is the most common mental health concern experience that we see. And I'm no stranger to it myself. I mean, many therapists will tell you that We are drawn into this profession often for our own personal reasons. And I'm no stranger to that. You know, I have had anxiety throughout the majority of my life. Even as a kid, I really struggled with emetophobia, which, fun fact, phobias are the most common out of the anxiety umbrella. So, emetophobia is this phobia of vomit, which is a really fun thing to experience as a kid and as an adult. But anybody who experiences it will tell you, like, it can be very debilitating. In fact, I really didn't want to become a parent because my phobia of vomit was so intense. Mm. And so going through my own work and after struggling with panic attacks for so many years, you know, that's why I'm so passionate about treating anxiety because I've seen what works in my own journey and with my own clients. And I've also seen what doesn't work. And so I really wanted to create a book to help people 
with the most common mental health concern that we see. Almost all of us can relate with some anxiety in some capacity. Mm-hmm. What I really appreciated about your book, as a therapist who can see the skills being talked about and helping through the individual aspects of anxiety, was also placing it in the context of the world in which we're living or the generation in which we're living, Mm -hmm. because I think that we can get very focused on the individual and miss the context sometimes. So can you talk to us about millennials and Gen Z and anxiety? Because like the rates of anxiety for our generation seem to be higher than previous. Is that fair to say? It definitely is. It's through the roof. And not only are we seeing prevalence increase, more people experiencing it, we're also seeing severity increase. So the intensity of symptoms Mm -hmm. is much more for folks now than it used to be. And I write about this in the book, you know, when we look at studies like the Generational Power Index and you ask people, what are the significant events in your life that have really been transformative on a generational level that have shaped your experiences? The things that people endorse are things like 9-11, you know, the attacks that happened there, the murder of George Floyd, COVID, obviously, (laughs) like there's so many things. And in fact, Gen Z will say that all the mass shootings that we see, that actually is the most significant stressor that they experience. Here in the States, for example, 75% of young adults say they feel unsafe every single day. Mm. And many will attribute gun violence as the number one reason for that. And, you know, you and I are talking before we hit record, right? We were saying, oh my gosh, it's so hot outside. Climate change is a huge thing for these generations too, because- We look at how hot things are getting and we think, what is this going to look like five, 10 years from now? What about when my kids are adults, right? And so it's understandable contextually why our anxiety is really through the roof right now. Yeah, it's a really interesting lens on the topic that I've been actually searching for somebody to hash it out with for a little while because I work with moms in postpartum depression and anxiety on this individual level of how to cope, how to adjust to new motherhood, which you are in the throes of doing right now, and (laughs) (laughs) and how to care for our needs and recalibrate our identity in our life in a lot of ways. But what I'm seeing come into DMs often are moms saying like, I just bought a bulletproof backpack to send my child to school. Or it's been so hot, we're breaking records. Like, Can you do an episode on climate change and anxiety because like what world is my child going to live in? Mm -hmm. And these feel like big existential topics that are hard to like process and define and Mm -hmm. how this influences our anxiety on an individual level. Like the relationship here is so big and also so ill-defined at the same time, it feels like. Oh, absolutely. And I write about that in Generation Anxiety. You know, the tactic that I really recommend in this, because so many of us, we feel hopeless and we feel helpless. Yeah. And not only does that make us feel anxious over time, that makes you feel depressed, mm-hmm. right? If, if it feels like there's no hope for our future and there's nothing we can do about it, it's understandable how we can feel pretty defeated. And so I really like to imply what I call empowered acceptance. And that's a two-pronged approach. One, we have to accept the reality of this situation we find ourselves in. I think a lot of us sometimes when we feel anxious, we want to avoid, right? We don't want to see the news. We don't want to learn about what's going on because it feels too overwhelming. But if we're running away from the problems, how do we then know how to solve the problems? 
And that's that second piece. We have to be empowered in our approach. We have to do something about these things because if we just let them continue happening to us, once again, that anxiety just goes through the roof. So that empowerment needs to be twofold. One, it needs to be individual, right? Like my husband and I were just talking about this this morning, you know, with the temperature, like what can we do to cut down on emissions? You know, whether that's getting solar panels on our roof, eating less red meat, all these different things. And it needs to be collective Mm. too. We have to come together as communities to solve these issues. We know millennials and Gen Z, it's a loneliness epidemic that we're all going through. And so we have to come together to solve these problems so that we feel so much less isolated and alone in all of this too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I keep hearing like, I'm so tired of living through once in a lifetime events that like literally they talked about aliens yesterday and the entire like internet was like, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> like, no biggie. We're so burnt out from like, oh, okay, great. Another thing that's lovely, wonderful. Add it to the list mm-hmm. that like, there's just so much to process. And this is an interesting piece to kind of hash out because Hank Green, another creator mm-hmm. on TikTok was saying, you know, we're anxious because we have these events happening in our lifetime. And he's like, but also previous generations lived through entire world wars. So like talk about reasons to be anxious. Mm -hmm. And to me, one of the differences or maybe a couple that I attribute this to is like the internet and social media, like the readiness at which we are constantly ingesting this information. Like Mm -hmm. I may not have known that there was a full-on war in Ukraine you know, before the internet or however, like years ago, because it wasn't broadcast to me every time I opened my cell phone, right? Mm -hmm. So talk to me about like social media and technology and how it plays a role here. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt that plays a factor. And it's different how we're consuming this information, right? Like, you know, uh, for our parents and our grandparents generation, you get the five o'clock news on the radio or the TV now it's every which way. It's not always accurate information because anybody can post anything nowadays. And it's much more graphic information. You know, there are times when I'm watching the news where it's like, I cannot believe they're putting that on television, these images that get shown on the yeah. screen. Mm-hmm. And that really has an impact on us. There's no doubt about that. I also think though, that because our communities are so much more disconnected, that people don't know their neighbors anymore people don't say hello to a stranger anymore. We are much more distrusting of each other individually. And I think that puts all of us so much more on edge. Whereas maybe 50 years ago, you know, your kids could go bike in the street and there was a much higher level of trust. A few situations that happened a few months ago, you know, where a kid knocks on the wrong door and he gets shot by someone or a girl gets in someone's car. Yeah. And it shows that we're so, you know, on edge with each other. Yeah. And when the individual, our neighbor, we feel like we can't trust them. I think that's really putting us so much more on edge just all the time, day to day, everywhere we go. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. And as a mom raising biracial boys, Mm -hmm. you know, and as moms who are listening send their kids to school where guns are not regulated, like these are high Stakes, yeah. right? Like we hear these stories and we internalize them. But what we also know about anxiety and what you also address in the book is that when we are anxious, these fears, 
get exploited or like in our mind written as narratives that are certain or will come true, right? Mm-hmm. Talk to me about the percentage at which this actually plays out because we're taking this, like these isolated stories, which for representation purposes need, like especially when we're talking Black men and, mm-hmm. you know, things that need to happen and advocacy work that needs to be done. Yep. It needs to be reported. Mm-hmm. But also we're taking some of these percentages of like break-ins and cars and things and generalizing them in a big big way as though they will happen. Yes. Mhm. Mhm. Well, and that's what's so interesting, right? And I write about that in the book that a lot of research is showing that technically speaking, we are in a very safe time in this country in a lot of ways. You know, the crime rate in different parts are actually it's down. And of course, we could get into all the details of, you know, different locations and things like that, the variability in that. But Overall, we're seeing an increase in safety in a lot of places, and yet so many of us are feeling unsafe day to day. So I think that's important for us to keep in mind as well, because we can get into that availability heuristic, right? We see that one news story and we think, well, this is going to happen to me. And I see a lot of my clients really struggling with death anxiety, right? Which makes sense when we hear about these really tragic and scary stories, And a lot of clients have seen a huge increase in separation anxiety as well. You know, we often think of separation anxiety as the little toddler who doesn't want to leave mommy or daddy's pants leg, you know, going to preschool. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing, you know, millennials and Gen Z really struggling with separation anxiety. What if this is the last time I see my loved one? Mm -hmm. And it's really impacting their ability to communicate when they have a problem, right? Because we're so afraid that we could lose our relationships at any point in time. So these are deep existential issues that we're seeing. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you bring up such an important point. We have to remember, okay, what is the logic in this? What are the chances of this actually happening in my life? Mm -hmm. And how do I still go out and engage in my life? Because I think what happens then when we feel afraid well, now I want to stay home all the time. I don't want to go out. I don't want to take my kids Mm. to the movies or I don't want to go to a concert, right? Because something could happen. And if we live our lives that way, our world gets smaller and smaller and smaller and we feel more and more isolated and in turn more anxious and depressed. So it's this balance, right? Of honoring, okay, sometimes I do feel anxious and how do I still go out and live my own life, help my kids live their life so that they're not just constantly living in fear as well. Want to get smarter about your health but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? We hear a lot about gut health, microbiomes, and other nutrition topics, but taking the time to research these is exhausting, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. The Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast makes it so much easier to get the information you need. With the help of world-leading scientists, the podcast gives you research-based information so you can make informed choices for yourself without pressure and guilt. People are loving Zoe Science and Nutrition. Listener Stephanie's Apple Review says the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is a life-changing, science-based, myth-busting podcast. That's a must-listen for anyone who eats food and wants to understand how it affects their body. With the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, you can join Stephanie and millions of others accessing quality information about their health. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Mealtime with kids can be stressful, but with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals, it can be a lot easier. 
Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. No worrying about ingredients and nutrition, no prep, no mess, and no cooking while wrangling toddlers. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also, discover more than 60 add ons every week, like breakfast, on the go lunch snacks and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Factor can even be tailored to your schedule. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Take the stress out of meals with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash momwell50 and use code MOMWELL50 to get 50% off your first box. When I think about anxiety and I think about the thought traps that come with it, I think about uncertainty Mm -hmm. and the need for certainty. So like anxiety hates uncertainty, right? Or hates like uh, (laughs) threats or perceived Mm -hmm. lack of safety. So in a world that feels very unsafe right now from what we see on the news, having gone through COVID, having gone through, you know, Black Lives Matter, the gun violence, all the things that we're seeing, Mm -hmm. aliens now for crying out loud. (laughs) And so feeling unsafe. And then also there's this weird layer right now with like AI and technology and news reporting where like we can't even find facts like we don't even know who's telling the truth like what is a fact anymore right now is what it mm-hmm. feels like so that just exploits this fear of uncertainty even further because it's so hard to like tether a pole in something that feels factual right now yes yes well and that to me like living here in Los Angeles like seeing the writers and the actors strike that's that like empowered acceptance I'm talking about of doing that advocacy work. I, I was just hearing about this from someone in the industry the other day of, you know, with AI, not to go on too much of a tangent here, but I thought this was pretty interesting to hear this. You know, one of the things they're trying to push for in the industry is to do an AI scan of an extra for the one single day and then use their image for the rest of filming so that they don't then have to pay that person to come any other day on set. Mm. That's pretty wild when you hear things like that, that we could be watching television made up of AI people, essentially. And so, you know, when we see things like the strike happening and how interesting, right? I think we're seeing more and more strikes happening in a lot of different industries. You know, people are saying, hey, enough's enough. This is giving me anxiety. I'm feeling disrespected or I'm not feeling safe and I'm going to do something about it. I think that's ultimately a really good message to use our voices and and to come together to make a change when we're concerned about something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. And I've seen some of these like, I don't know, deep fake photos come out where you've got presidents in these weird situations and like celebrities and there's a show on Netflix that I haven't watched yet about deep fake love. And they're trying to see like if they can really trust their partner. Is this a real image or is this like an AI image? And so this questioning of reality mm-hmm. is becoming a big thing with AI. Yep. And when anxiety is 
so exploited by uncertainty, like it just grows bigger and bigger, mm-hmm. it becomes a really slippery slope. So mm-hmm. can we talk about now, this is where I feel like it starts to taper back into the individual level, because in a world that feels unsafe, And in a world that feels uncertain, Mm -hmm. we have to carve out and find safety for ourselves and an anchor for ourselves. And then with that, feel empowered to go and, you know, make change and and help others. Mm -hmm. But how do we start to carve out some safety for ourselves in a world that feels so chaotic right now? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, we really do need people in our lives so much more so than ever. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I meet a lot of folks who tell me that their social anxiety in particular is through the roof since the pandemic. And this makes sense, right? I mean, we really lost our practice with socializing with each other. I notice it in my own life. I've been going to mommy and me classes. I'm like, okay, let's go build a community of fellow moms. And it was time to introduce ourselves, simple things, saying hello, And I'm sitting there feeling like I'm going to straight up puke, like, because it was so nerve wracking to introduce myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we think of our social skills like a muscle, those muscles have atrophied in a way, if you will, over these last few years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when that happens, a lot of us, we just want to pull back. We don't want to engage and we need to rebuild those social muscles. So I think that's the first step to really working through the anxiety is to surround ourselves with people to not avoid, right? right? Because the anxiety is saying, you can't do this. This is too hard. And I'm a bit of a behaviorist, if you will. We have to show ourselves behaviorally, hey, I went to that class or I spoke up in that meeting. And then the brain buys in and says, oh, okay, maybe you can do these things that I feel like I was too afraid to do. I also think, though, we have to take a real holistic look at our healing. Obviously, I'm a therapist, so I'm a big advocate of therapy. I'm a big advocate of medication, if that's helpful for someone. But I think that's really been kind of looking at mental health from a westernized lens. I think we really need to look at the whole picture for a person and what works for that person. Mm -hmm. Is it getting acupuncture? Is it going to the chiropractor? For me, I will swear up and down all day. My naturopath was the one who helped me with my anxiety more than anyone and doing blood work. Mm. Everybody get your blood work done. It is powerful data on what's going on inside your body. You can spend thousands of dollars doing cognitive therapy when maybe there's something out of balance in the body. Mm -hmm. And so we have to really take a holistic approach to our healing. It's not a one size fits all. And, um, I'm hoping that Generation Anxiety, the book, will kind of change the narrative on that to help people look at a lot of different outlets to healing and not just one particular path. Hmm. Yeah, I think a lot about, I guess also because I live in this space as a therapist, right? Like the thoughts about anxiety and like mm-hmm. the certainty at which we are so convinced that something will, you know, 90, 100% happen to us. So you had mentioned like, that almost like that exposure, that getting out and doing it, there's something in taking a calculated risk Mm -hmm. and doing it and experiencing it. Because I agree what happens when we feel so much anxiety is we almost start to like back out of our life in a lot of ways. And I see this with moms and their children and we start to like pull back from experiences and building these memories and having these times together because we're so obviously totally passionate and obsessed with these children to want to protect them and hold them close, but Mm -hmm. that we almost 
are over parenting and don't get Mm. to really live either. And so in this way with moms who are maybe struggling, maybe it's the thoughts or the like hyping up to get out the door piece that we could also support them with Mm -hmm. because it feels like There's a battle in our brain that happens before we can even lace up a shoe to go to a mommy group, right? There's Mm -hmm. this war within ourselves at times. Yeah, yeah, there really is. And I was just talking about this the other day with somebody that book, The Blessing of a Skin Knee, which I think we all should read, you know, that, hey, it's Mm. okay to skin our knees sometimes, you know, it's okay to to fall down. It's actually something really good for us to learn that experience of what it's like to try something and maybe get ourselves scraped up a little bit and to learn like how we work through that. And if Mm. we're always being bubble wrapped, we don't get that experience to see. I think we have to ask ourselves, hey, when my kiddo is 20, 30 years old, what do I hope for their life? Do I hope that they'll be brave to put themselves out there? Do I hope that they'll try new things and feel independent in their own way? If that's the case, and each of us have our own different values, but if that's the case, then we have to sit with that when they're little kids too of, okay, like let's have you go out and play sometimes, right? Where maybe I'm not watching every minute of what's happening or, you know, Maybe I don't track your location when you're still, you know, 20 years old, that kind of thing, (laughs) which a lot of my teen clients have a lot of opinions on. Right. You know, these are all really interesting conversations. And I think it comes from such a good loving place, right? Like you were just saying. Yeah. But in that process, you know, kids don't always get that experience of seeing what it's like to go out on their own in different ways. And then they can sometimes internalize okay, I need to have that anxiety in my own life too, because that anxiety is going to protect me in some way. The challenge with that though, is that that anxiety then can really impair in a lot of ways too, where the world feels so unsafe, they're not willing to try anything. Right. It's such an important point that you're making there as though the anxiety is what keeps us safe Mm -hmm. or the worry is what keeps us safe. But really, it actually is removing us from our life or causing us to miss out in a lot of ways because you had cited it in the book. It was, I don't know what percentage of the worries actually happen, but it was like such a small percentage compared to how much we worry. Yeah. Oh, it's over 80% of the things we worry about do not actually come to fruition. Right. But that worry is so powerful. And that's something that I talk about in the book too And I think this is really important because a lot of us, we feel like we need to make our anxiety go away. And we think the way to do that is to just not do the things we're afraid of, right? And then we won't feel anxious. And sure, we won't. Mm -hmm. But we're also then not really living our lives fully in that way. And so one thing I'm often sharing is, you know, it's okay that you feel anxious. Mm -hmm. The anxiety does not have to go away. In fact, there are going to be many times you do something and you do feel anxious during that experience. But that's actually ultimately a win because the anxiety didn't stop you from living your life. Mm -hmm. And what we see, that anxiety is like a wave, right? Every time we face something we're afraid of, that anxiety ultimately goes down and the wave gets smaller and smaller each time. The problem though is many of us, we don't give ourselves that chance to ride through that crest of the wave, right? We pull out right at the peak. And then the wave just gets bigger and bigger. Mm. So we have to give ourselves a chance to see that we can, in fact, ride out that anxiety when it comes up. 
One of the most relentless mental loads is being the juggler of medical appointments. Researching doctors, reading reviews, making phone calls to book appointments, it's a lot of stress when you're already juggling so much invisible labor. That's what makes ZocDoc great for moms. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of highly rated in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. ZocDoc has doctors of all specialties, including therapists, psychiatrists, and psychologists, with verified patient reviews so you can make sure they check all your boxes. You can find mental health providers who offer in-person appointments, virtual consults, or both, whatever works for you. The typical wait time to see a mental health provider booked on ZocDoc is just four days. Sometimes you can even book same-day appointments. Make juggling appointments easier with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com momwell and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's ZocDoc.com slash momwell. ZocDoc.com momwell. Mom rage often leads us to feeling ashamed, but the truth is that our rage doesn't mean we're bad moms. In fact, anger is a sign from our bodies that our needs aren't being met. As moms and therapists, Dr. Asherine Areem's psyched mommy and I understand mom rage. We know that we all lose our cool sometimes, and we also know that with the right tools and strategies in place, those moments happen less often. We've teamed up and combined our years of experience to create all the rage, Raising Kids with Less Anger and More Connection, a course designed to be your go-to resource for preventing and handling your anger. We dive into what causes your anger, how it impacts your body, how to reframe your thinking, and how to stay calm in triggering moments. And because we are all human, we also include strategies for repairing after we inevitably lose our cool. In honor of Maternal Mental Health Week, you can save $20 on the course with promo RAGE20 this week only. Don't miss out on your chance to save and make a positive change. Head to momwell.com slash rage and save with code rage20. That's momwell.com slash rage, code rage20. When I hear clients say, when my parents like were raising me, I'd be out till dark and they wouldn't even know where I was. I'd be yeah. running down the neighborhood. And it's almost framed in like a underparenting kind mm-hmm. of way, like we were underparented. To now, I would say we're in such an era of overparenting mm. where we've almost wanted to correct past generations. So you be behavior or parenting and break cycles so desperately that we've swung the pendulum in like, such a drastic way. Mm-hmm. And I feel like technology has really contributed to this. Like I can put an oxygen monitor on my baby's foot when they're sleeping and I can weigh them every, you know, breastfeed to know if they're getting enough milk and mm-hmm. I can, you know, monitor them every second of the day and track their location. And so it's enabled us and our overparenting in such a drastic way mm-hmm. that coming back to like middle ground where we can tolerate some separation and some calculated intentional risk. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, I feel like we've got to recalibrate back to middle here at some point. 
And I love that you're sharing this. I feel like we need to be saying this more because I think there's such a sense of shame attached to parenting that if I am not the perfect parent, if I don't look out for my child all the time, heaven forbid something were to happen, that shame we feel is so, so strong. We're so afraid of that that shame from someone else or internally that we feel like my anxiety is trying to make me protect at all costs, no matter what, even though it may really be getting in the way of my child getting to have new experiences where they can try new things, right? And skin that knee, so to speak. But I think that shame can be so strong that we're so afraid to let anything happen. And that may really be where we need more compassion for ourselves and more compassion for others too. Like, That empathy piece, I think we're so afraid of other people judging us and really coming down on us. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the dialogue too. You know, Winnicott talks about this, right? Like the good enough parent. And Mm -hmm. that is going to be what sees your child through than if we have kind of that helicopter parenting, right? Or that snowplow parenting (laughs) where, you know, we try and prevent any bad thing from happening all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is this real desire with moms that I speak with to want to do no harm or protect from discomfort and harm at all costs. And while that is like altruistic and like very comes from like a place of love and concern for our children, Mm -hmm. what I actually start to see is that anxiety can take safety and morph it into something so suffocating yes that again this theme again that we're not living right because what anxiety can do and what i've seen it do with mom clients is like take a flight of stairs something a functional thing that we use every day and turn it into a literal death trap to the point that we're like scooting down on our bum with our children in our hands Mm -hmm. and so i feel like what i'm trying to call out here is i think sometimes we feel very justified in these concerns because it is showing an utmost care and love for our child to go to such depths to protect them. Yes, It's almost as though we're proving to ourselves that this is our care and our love to be this over-parenting, this like this intense, Mm -hmm. intensely parenting, right? Yes. But it's actually anxiety, friends. Let's just call it like the sheep's clothing, what it is. Like this is anxiety in a lot of cases. And so I find this a really delicate dance with clients sometimes because our worth and identity as a parent gets woven into this dynamic. Yes, yes. And I think that's where, and this isn't just with, you know, a parent conversation. I think this is broader too, is just having more curiosity and admitting we don't know all the answers. You know, I think sometimes we can get so convicted. This is the truth. This is like how I see things. And anxiety makes us want that certainty, right? Mm. But admitting, you know what? I don't know all the answers. There may be another way to do this that works just as well, if not better. And maybe I haven't been doing it that way. Mm. And that doesn't make me a bad parent to not know all those answers. You know, one thing that I love that I find so liberating, but I think when we're really feeling anxious can feel very scary is this sense of the dialectic, the both and, right? That two things that can conflict at times can be true. Mm -hmm. And I think if we can start to lean into that more societally, (laughs) you know, even with people who disagree with us and start to see if we can have conversation together, I think that will ultimately help our anxiety 
go down and and hopefully our compassion for each other go up, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think it can be really easy even to hear our conversation and for someone to say, well, you don't, you don't get it right. Like that's not how I see it. And then I'm done with the conversation right? instead of, okay, let me sit with that and be curious about that. You know? Yeah. Being able to see the shades of gray or take other perspectives is Mm -hmm. so important, right? Like you were talking about going to the mommy groups. Like what are three other things that the moms might be thinking about me right now that are not as catastrophic as what I'm thinking they are, (laughs) right? Yeah. Or like what are three other outcomes of going on this, you know, camping trip that could happen that are not a bear shows up and gobbles the campsite. I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that anything that exercises that muscle to see the shades of gray or an alternative outcome with anxiety is just such a great skill and muscle to build because anxiety loves to live in the polarized places, right? It really does. And I love that you bring that up. Like, really almost leaning into that sense of optimism. Maybe this could go really well. Maybe this camping trip, maybe my kids going to summer camp, maybe they could have the time of their lives, right? And we don't know that until we do the thing. And I think one thing we can ask ourselves too is, if I were a child living right now, and you know, if I was thinking about how I would want to be parented, how would I want my experience to be? Most of us, I think, would say we'd want some independence. We'd want to be able to go out and play and get our hands dirty, you know. And we probably wouldn't like that feeling of mom or dad or a parent, like, looking over every single thing we do. So Mm -hmm. I think that's something that we can get curious about, too, to maybe put ourselves in in our kids' shoes as as they're growing up. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, leaning into optimism, I find I'm very much a realist. And sometimes optimism or positivity or anything in that bucket can feel almost threatening, Mm -hmm. sometimes like such a far stretch from depending on how sort of catastrophic we're thinking the outcome might be. I'm like, what if they go to summer camp and it's just mediocre? I mean, yeah. They they did it. They had the experience. They're alive. They're well. They were fed. They banked some memories. Mediocre and average is also like golden. You know, that, it can yeah. just be like, Ugh, it was camp. They kind of liked it. They kind of didn't. But did they die? No. Like, did mm-hmm. something awful happen? No. Right. Because I think that like with vacations, like I travel with three children, so cut me some slack, but it's like, (laughs) is this vacation going to be great? Yes. Is it also going to be shitty at times? Absolutely. So (laughs) it's going to be a mixed bag, but are we going to be happy that we did it? Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that even like, what is a mediocre outcome? Like, what is a great outcome? What could we hope for? What's a mediocre outcome that like, "Eh, yeah, it happened and we're cool with it Mm -hmm. versus what are all the absolutely horrific outcomes that could happen? It makes me think of the Barbie movie a little bit. Have you seen the Barbie movie yet? I have not, but I've heard such great things about it. Oh, you got it. I I won't give too many spoilers or any really, but like they, they talk in the movie about like the ordinary Barbie and how like, we need that, you know, ordinary experiences. Barbie, yes, she's an astronaut and the president, but like also what if Barbie's just like your average mom going to the store that day, you know? Mm -hmm. And it reminds me of that. Like it doesn't have to be this like 
extreme optimism, right, of perfection. And it also doesn't have to be the pitfall of despair. Like you say, it could just be this like average, normal experience. And that is a really good place to land. Yeah. And I think that the ordinary is shrinking in the presence of social media because often what I see get posted is either the high highs or the low lows. Like Mm. the ordinary is kind of non-existent in online spaces. So when we think and put ourselves in a position and all the stories or pictures or photos or things that we've consumed online have been the extremes, it's hard to, again, practice that muscle or that skill of seeing the like very like average in between that it could turn out to be right like yeah exactly our brains don't really work that way it's hard for us to do that but I think we can really train that muscle to just say like what could be the myth Mm -hmm. we did it and it was fine might not do it again versus what could be you know, we did it, we had fun, or we're definitely going to do that again. That was awesome. And it can be any of the in-between. And Mm -hmm. I try to take that approach with myself with the kids partially because I don't want to set high expectations and be disappointed Mm because obviously it's not going to go perfectly, Mm -hmm. but also we're going to gain something from this experience together. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. It makes me think about that app and I'm blanking on it right now because I'm showing my millennial colors. Gen Z love this app especially, but have you heard of this where it'll ping you at a certain time of day and you have to take a picture from the front and the back to show like whatever you are doing Mm. in that moment. So that does show the mundane of life. And I think that's why like Gen Z loves it because it does show the real deal of what we're doing. But as a millennial, I don't have that app and I can't even think of the name of it. So, (laughs) right. We've come through such a curated generation of like Instagram and things, right? That I think is shifting as people long for connection and authenticity. Like I do think that there will be shifts there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's just like we just go straight to the high or the low. I have so much hope for Gen Z, like I'm sure I do too, (laughs) that they'll change and, you know, some of these things, especially in this tech, like social media space that they'll be able to utilize it to find connections and not be so isolated. Because as you mentioned, like there's a loneliness epidemic right now for people. Yeah. Yeah. I really hope that we can harness it in the right way. And I do hope that we have more in person than what we already do. Because our human brains and our bodies, they're not evolved to have this much technology, really. Like we need that like face-to-face connection with people. Our mirror neurons in the brain just feel that so much more profoundly face-to-face. So I really hope we don't lose that Mm -hmm. because that social anxiety can be so powerful of, ah, I don't want to make a new friend or I don't want to go in person to something, right? Like, even weddings nowadays, we kind of say to ourselves, do I really have to go to that? You know, even though it's like the most epic experience in someone's life, oftentimes, that's such a big milestone marker. Mm -hmm. So I really do hope that both our generations, millennials and Gen Z, will have that dedicated commitment to come back to the face to face. Mm -hmm. To just be in community with people around us and find ways to be present. Mm -hmm. It's a totally different experience. And we like go into the science of touch and the hormones released in hugs, like all the things, right? It's such a different and and great experience that I think that we've had a hard time finding our groove back in since COVID for sure. Because everything feels 
so inconvenient to go into now. I know. And as you said, the anxiety and and all of it. Mm-hmm. I'm curious for those who are listening, if there are any topics that we had touched on today that you want more of a deep dive in, or if you've got more questions for Dr. Lauren that you'd like for her to come back and talk about, drop us a line, shoot me a DM on, on social media, as always on Instagram with your feedback, curious to know your thoughts on this episode. And Dr. Lauren, thank you so much for joining us today. Where can people learn more from you? Where can they get your book? Yeah. So Generation Anxiety goes live September 19th. You can get it wherever you like to buy your books. I'm at drlaurencook.com and I love a good TikTok. That's where I am as well as Instagram at drlaurencook. If you love to read like I do, every month we feature a new book on psychology and personal development with the Brain Health Book Club. We almost always have the authors join for a conversation, which is really fun. And I've got the Boardroom Brain podcast where we talk about the psychology behind success. So yeah, those are a lot of different places to find me. And uh, I'm just so grateful we had this conversation today, Erica. I, I loved your questions and you got me thinking about so many different things. I'm just so grateful we got to chat. So appreciate having you here. Wishing you smooth adjustment vibes as smooth as we possibly can into this wild motherhood (laughs) journey. Sending you so much love. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. This episode came about because of the DMs and the concerns that I've been receiving from all of you about managing anxiety from a broader context. So I'd love to hear from you. Did you like this episode? Would you like to hear more on either one of these topics? What stands out to you the most about being a millennial or Gen Z mom? And what other pain points would you like us to cover on the show? DM me or email us. Let us know what it is you're looking for, and I'll make sure to find the right expert to have the conversation with. As always, if you find that you are struggling or that your anxiety is so preoccupying that it is interfering with you living life in the way that you would like to, I encourage you to book in a free 15-minute consultation with one of our mom therapists. Our therapists are maternal mental health specialists and have the expertise you need to help bulk up your toolbox and ability to cope with the anxiety that you're experiencing. To book in a free 15-minute consultation, head to momwell.com book. That's momwell.com book. I'll see you right back here, same time, same place next week, where I'm being joined by my friend, Dr. Tracy Dalgleish, to discuss the invisible load and how it feeds into an overfunctioning, underfunctioning pattern in the relationship. You don't want to miss it. I'll see you right back here next week. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for resources or links from today's show, or you need a refresh on anything we've talked about, visit our show notes. You can find the link in the episode description, or you can head directly to momwell.com slash learning center. To join the Momwell email list and be the first one to know about new episode drops, insider info, or freebies, head to momwell.com slash newsletter. Join me next week. Until then, remember that you have to be well to mom well. Settling is not an option for Everything me. I desire is already mine. What if you can have it all? <laughs> because every day is for the girls. 
Hello, hello. Welcome to For the Girls podcast, hosted by Victoria Alario, For the Girls Who Want More. Listening to For the Girls will have you ready to raise the bar, stop settling for the bare minimum, and start believing you can have it all and step into the 2.0 version of you. You can catch a new episode of For the Girls every Monday across all podcast platforms. Until next time, girls.